Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Scamfluencers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. A heads up to our listeners. Today's episode discusses rape and sexual assault. Listen with care. Sarah, have you ever noticed that with all the scammers we've covered here, they've at some point been legitimized by like a big time institution or celebrity? Like they appeared on Oprah or they were in Goop or like they gave a TED talk or something? Yeah, I think it's because, you know, celebrities love endorsing some kind of new agey thing that will help them get enlightened and feel maybe a little bit less bad about hoarding wealth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's exactly right. Well, Guru Jagath has been propped up by celebrities, glossy women's magazines, and business reporters. But now she's about to get the most prestigious stamp of approval yet, this time from the Ivy League. Guru Jagath struts onto the Harvard Divinity School campus wearing what appears to be very beautiful curtains. They're mustard yellow, they're all drapey, it's very prairie chic. As ever, she's wearing a tangle of necklaces and a poorly tied turban. And the building she's booked to speak in is as East Coast as it gets. It looks like a Gothic church. Just a month ago, she was invited to hang out backstage at the Grammys with her friend, Alicia Keys. Oh my God, this is so crazy. I knew she was like friends with celebrities, but I didn't know she was like, oh, let's hang out backstage, friends. And now, on March 5th, 2019, Guru Jagat is here at Harvard to speak on a panel about, quote, the business of spirituality. So for her, it's a huge honor, and it's all happening. And as Jagat takes her seat on the stage, she can't help but feel pretty fucking great. Like, this isn't bad for a blue-collar college dropout. And the panel kicks off with a question about reconciling spirituality and making money, and Guru Jagat jumps right in. And my teacher, Yogi Bhajan, says that the business and money are some of the quickest ways, including romantic relationship, to uh, become conscious. She's speaking with such certainty, but I legitimately do not know what she is trying to say here. And everyone's nodding along like they understand it. Yeah, everything she says is like word salad. It's chauvinistic, basically, around what it looks like to be spiritual, what it looks like to be, you know, a person of God or a person of of doing a higher calling. In this case, she's telling the Harvard students that you don't have to choose. You can be ambitious, rich, capitalist, and spiritual. That making money will help you connect with your higher power. Okay, so she's saying, ladies, you can have it all. Yes, she is leaning in, Sarah. She's leaning all the way in. Amazing, amazing. And the students, who are all clearly quite ambitious themselves, they eat it up. Guru wants everyone in the room to know how hard she's worked for this moment. Struggle, struggle, struggle. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, what are you doing? You're up all night thinking about how to pay the rent. I mean, that's a welcome to the party. At the end, Guru gets a round of applause. This is Guru Jagat at her peak influence, success, and delusion. Because her own beliefs are about to take a turn. A hard right turn. And it'll take an act of God to bring her down. From Wondery, I'm Sachi Cole. And I'm Sarah Hagee. And this is Scamfluencers. In our last episode, we met Guru Jagat, a celebrity yoga teacher at the height of her power. But the Kundalini community is about to get rocked by explosive allegations from former members, which forces everyone to choose a side. Guru Jagat 
or reality. This is episode two in our two-part series, Guru's Gone Wild. It's the day before Halloween, 2019, and Guru Jagat is in the middle of a forest in Scotland about to get married. The scenery is enchanting. There's 200-foot trees covered in mist, green as far as the eye can see. And Guru Jagat is overcome with the beauty of this moment. She's surrounded by a small group of friends and family and about to wed the love of her life. I love that it's the day before Halloween and she's <laughs> probably in a costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't all wedding dresses costumes? Um, I hate that I will ask this question, uh-huh. but... Who's the lucky man? (laughs) Well, her husband-to-be is Tegnam, a.k.a. Austin Dunbar. No, you cannot go from Austin Dunbar to Tegnam. No. Honestly, he doesn't not look like a Tegnam once you see the photos. But let me tell you a little bit about our friend Teg. He grew up in Arizona, and he's almost 20 years younger than Guru Jagat, who's 40. And his vibe at the wedding is Scottish Viking. He's got long brown hair and a bushy beard, and he wears a full kilt and tartan. Sarah, you'll love this part. According to former Rama employees, Teg has a foot in the world of online conspiracies. As in, he may have been a friend of Q, if you know what I mean. Yeah. At her wedding, Guru Jagat is the ultimate bohemian bride. She has long blonde beach waves, a lacy veil. She's in a white peasant dress. Her business partner, Hari Jeevan, also known as the toner bandit, he leads the ceremony while Guru cries happy tears. Sarah, here, you can take a look at this photo of them on their wedding day. Um, so we see... Our girl, Katie, she has a bouquet of wildflowers. She looks very determined and gazing at her with zero expression. And I mean, no expression at all is her husband. And he's wearing like a full Scottish getup and he's carrying a freaking lantern. In the middle of the day. He actually looks like this is the first time he was let outside in a really long time. Like, you're going to put an effort into putting on a whole fit. (laughs) At least brush your hair. So usually in sick weddings, the couple circles the religion's holy book. But Jugget likes to spice things up, also known as ruin it. So instead, she and her husband circle Harijivan. So the implication here is that instead of the holy book blessing their marriage, they're being blessed by a living person. Imagine being like, yeah, there's this guy I really hated. He's a toner bandit. Anyway, he blessed me for my sick wedding. Yeah. And she really seems to have it all. A thriving yoga studio, a podcast, a book published by Harper Collins. But what no one at the wedding knows is that she's about to descend even further into her own paranoia. And she's going to make her racist conspiracy theories public. She isn't just committing to her new husband, but also to his fringe beliefs. And the fallout will cost her her reputation. In early 2020, while Guru Jagat is still googly-eyed and in love, former Yogi Bhajan student Pamela Dyson is reeling after publishing her memoir. Her book outs Bhajan as an abuser and a rapist. Now that her truth is out in the world, Pamela braces herself for backlash. And woof, does she get it, mostly from the higher-ups at Budgeon's companies. But she also gets a ton of support. 
Pamela is invited onto the Project Hope podcast, where she tells host Jennifer French about releasing her book. It came out in January, mid-January, my book, and it blew up so fast. And then it just... (sighs) Pamela's abuse took place decades ago, between 1968 and 1984. And the book details how she sued Yogi Bhajan for financial, sexual, and physical abuse in 1986. But the multimillionaire yogi had the resources to fight her forever. So she finally settled out of court. So I was by myself and I was um, felt really hung out to dry. And, and it was exceedingly painful. Um, I literally felt in my body like I was burning at the stake. Pamela explains that she thought about leaving the community for years before she actually left. But it just wasn't that easy. So I, you know, I was going to walk away. It's just I had nothing to walk away with. I had not been paid a salary, so I did not have money. I did not have a car. I had given over everything I had 16 years ago. I feel really bad for her. Well, it gets worse because Pamela is just the beginning. Her book prompts multiple lawsuits and a full investigation. In all, 36 people report sexual and spiritual misconduct at the hands of Yogi Bhajan. And this is according to an independent investigation by Olive Branch, which is a firm that helps spiritual groups deal with abuse allegations. And Gurujaga is not ready to hear a single word against her former teacher. Despite the major cultural reckoning after Me Too, Guru Jagat rejects every claim against Bhajan. Not only that, she actually goes on the offensive making the already heartbreaking allegations into something truly nuclear. So Guru Jagat, Hari Jivan, and the Rama Institute come out strongly against Pamela's memoir, and they deny all allegations. Jagat is a feminist hashtag girl boss, until, of course, it's time to actually defend women. Jagat, wearing huge 70s grandma glasses and cocktail earrings, and forever in that white turban, She records this shaky Instagram video of herself bashing Pamela and her book. And Sarah, she looks so mad. This woman, you know, she she conveniently, you know, finishes her book before she sued and before a million other things happened so that the the story looks a certain way. And then Jugget straight up stops making any sense. I have a very inside kind of view on what's going on, who got paid, what happened, how these things go on. And then I'm being attacked by robots. Um, okay, does she mean like bot accounts? Does she mean like physical robots? Like beep boop, beep boop? Like, I don't know what. <laughs> like, what are we, what is a robot in this scenario? Sarah, I don't know, which frankly is something that I feel like I've said several times in these last two episodes. But actually, here's the craziest part of her entire response to everything. Days after Pamela's memoir comes out, Guru Jagat tells Business of Fashion that she never even met Bhajan, which is so bonkers because her entire public identity was based on her supposed mentorship from Yogi Bhajan. What? Like, how can she deny something that she established her whole life around meeting this guy and now she's walking back from it? Yeah, it's really odd. And whether she truly knows him or not, I don't know. But Guru Jagat continues to stand by her man in the face of dozens of allegations from women against Yogi Bhajan. So she's never met this guy and she's uh, distancing herself from him, but she's also saying that he didn't do it? Yeah, she's trying to have it all. 
When Vanity Fair writer Haley Phelan presses Guru Jagat to respond, she says, quote, Yogi Bhajan is a historic figure, and he remains a historic figure. I'm not, like, spending my days trying to figure out whether George Washington was doing some things that I wouldn't agree with in 2021. It's the point she's making, like, listen, are we going back in time and judging all these amazing men for the things they did at the time that were okay? But also, if we're using that logic, this was, like, 30 years ago. Yeah, I guess that's uh, long enough to just sort of let bygones be bygones. So Guru Jagat and the Rama cult, forgive me, I mean organization, will go to any length to preserve the legacy of their mentor, Bhajan. But soon, Guru Jagat is fighting for more than just Bhajan's reputation. She's fighting for her own. As stories about her abusive behavior begin to surface online, Guru Jagat faces the beginning of the end. So one of Guru Jagat's most vocal critics is her ex-assistant, Nicole Norton. Nicole's a 35-year-old self-proclaimed Boricua with dark curls and a strong yoga physique. Nicole worked for Jagat from 2017 to 2019. And her employment was weird from the start. On her first day of work, Nicole shows up raring to go, expecting to do like the typical assistant stuff. But nope. Her first task is to read a sci-fi book called The Pleiadians about an alien race who are fighting against lizard people. You know what? The scary part is that I know what Pleiadians are. Mm -hmm. They're humanoid aliens, basically. Yes, exactly. And after reading the book, Guru Jagat asks Nicole to go out, hit the streets, and find her a real-ass Pleiadian. Because Guru Jagat wants to interview one for her podcast. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. It's like scouting for models in L.A. You kind of walk around and you go up to people and you're like, Pleiadian? I'm getting some Pleiadian here. (laughs) It's a really bad start to what proves to be a nightmare job. And here's what Nicole says about it on the podcast Scientology Fair Game. Every day I was getting yelled at. Every day I was getting screamed at. Fuck you. Fuck this. You're all fucking idiots. Oh, my God. Then, in January 2019, Nicole travels to Europe with Jugget. She says Jugget's behavior becomes even more abusive. Here she is again on the podcast, Scientology Fair Game. When we were in Paris, I didn't have juice in the fridge. So I got yelled at for not having juice in the fridge. Then I bought juice, put it in the fridge, and then I got yelled at because I'm clearly like attacking her and taking out my mommy issues on her because... I bought too much juice, and now I'm trying to just spend all her money. Oh, my God. And wait, did Nicole ever, like, did she try to leave around this time? Like, what what was her whole deal? Well, in December 2019, Nicole gets into a really gnarly car accident, and she moves back home with her family. And that's how she finally gets the perspective that frees her from Guru Jagat, a car accident. And she's relieved. But also, now she's mad. She's really mad. And Nicole gets out just in time because Guru Jagat is about to go from tyrannical to dangerously disturbing. I feel like a legend. It's June 16th, 2020, and Sandeep Morrison, a non-binary activist and filmmaker, is speaking on a panel at the Rama Yoga Studio in Venice. And while listening to Guru Jagat speak about Sikh culture, Sandeep begins to feel... Mm, condescended to. 
Guru Jagat tells the crowd that her teacher, Yogi Bhajan, was an intersectional feminist before the term was even coined. Because he took practices that were only taught to men and brought them not only to women, but specifically he brought them to white women in the West. I mean, when we talk about intersectional feminism, it includes white women in the West. Yes, I do believe that that is what Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term intersectional feminism, was talking about the whole time. Just, you know, people didn't understand it. So Guru Jagat then tells the crowd that one of her teacher's disruptions was having women like her wear turbans like warriors. And Guru Jagat goes on to explain a completely colonialist theory on the origin of the word yoga. He actually said that yoga did not come, the word did not come from the East. It came from the Bible. He said it came from the word yoke. And that the Hindu kind of gurus that came to the West took the word and and had to basically appropriate their kind of coming to the West and getting Western students and said that it was a Sanskrit word. First of all, what? And she's saying this again with, like, total confidence. Like, she's spewing this garbage water out of her mouth. She cannot stop herself, and she says it like it's the truth. Yeah, and Sarah, don't forget, Sandeep is sitting right there on the panel. And Sandeep ends up filming Jagat and posts the clip on Instagram with the title, Woman Whitesplains Sick and Yoga. The post accuses Guru Jagat of erasing sick history and spreading misinformation. And Sarah, I need you to see this post. It says, To take a faith, history, culture, and practice and claim it as your own, package it in a white body, is an act of white supremacy. When she's asked to respond to allegations of cultural appropriation, Guru Jagat, of course, acts like the victim. She's whining about how you can't follow your soul's calling anymore if you're from a Western culture, yada, yada, yada. And if that performance on the sick panel isn't bad enough... Jagat also fully defends an employee who described Black Lives Matter protesters as, quote, cockroaches in the company-wide WhatsApp. Guru Jagat accuses BLM protesters of being organized looters, echoing an already debunked and super racist theory from right-wing media. Wow, you don't say. I could have called this ages ago. Yeah, and Sarah, that just scratches the surface. Her platform, once used to promote wellness and capitalism, soon becomes a hotbed of anti-Semitic conspiracies, bizarre theories about lizard people, and, of course, COVID denialism. It's a month after the panel, and Guru Jagat is straight up relaxed. She sits on stage at Rama without a mask, And she allows her yoga students to go maskless as well, which is against L.A. County rules. Yeah, but you're forgetting that COVID isn't real. Yes, Sarah. I mean, obviously the lizard people made it happen. Well, Guru Jagat is hosting a workshop called Camp Grace, and she's preaching to her students on her Instagram page not to believe the COVID, quote, hype. This is the part where if you start to put together some of the pieces of the news that's getting um, uh, not reported on and all this stuff, there's uh, explosions all over the planet in, you know, in ways that people, we, we don't know what's going on. So you could say, okay, are we, I mean, is the reason why we're being told to stay home that we're actually in some sort of alien war? 
it honestly echoes like, do you remember at the beginning of COVID, there were all these people who were like, COVID isn't real. It's that the government needs to change all the batteries and the cameras and the cameras are actually all the birds. I mean, as far as COVID conspiracy theories go, this one is underrated, really. It gets worse because, of course, Guru Jagat starts inviting conspiracy theorists onto her podcast, Reality Riffing. COVID deniers, QAnon promoters, anti-Semites... One guest, Carrie Cassidy, falsely claims that COVID is caused by 5G networks. Another, David Ick, agrees with Cassidy about 5G and additionally believes that the world is run by a cabal of shape-shifting reptilian beings. Wow. I am not surprised. Also basic. (laughs) But not everyone is on board with this thinking. Students and employees are leaving Rama, and the magazine articles about Jagat shift from puff pieces to full-on investigations. And Guru Jagat's former followers aren't just leaving her yoga studio. They're speaking out about their experiences on podcasts and on social media. And one of those accounts is about to blow the lid off Guru Jagat's story and expose her for what she really is, a fraud. So around the same time that Guru Jagat starts spewing lies about how COVID is caused by 5G, her ex-assistant, Nicole Norton, moves back to her hometown of Green Bay, Wisconsin, to live with her family. She needs time to recover from being shamed and abused by Guru Jagat. And then on July 17th, 2020, Nicole discovers an Instagram account called Rama Wrong. The account is like an anonymous complaint line where ex-Rama students and employees can vent about their experiences. And let me tell you, they do not hold back. Sarah, can you read us the very first post on the account? Okay. We are tired of being silenced. Disclaimer. We are in no way affiliated with Rama or any of its related businesses slash employees. Have a sunny day and we look forward to holding space for you. This is passive aggressive yoga talk. And I got to know, who is behind this? Well, Rama Rong was started by a Kundalini yoga student named Becky Lovell. Becky never met Guru Jagat, but she did notice that anytime someone complained about Rama on social media, their comments would just magically disappear. So she decided to start an account where people could anonymously share their experiences at Rama. And when Nicole Norton found out about the account, she DM'd to ask how she could help. And the two of them had been running the account together ever since. Before this, the press on Rama and Guru Jagat had been overwhelmingly positive. But with Rama wrong that changes. Sarah, can you read this other post I found on the account? Oh my God, absolutely. This person told her African-American employees and her acolytes that she was a black woman inside a white woman's body. No, just no. As a black woman in a black woman's body, what do you think that even means? I don't know, because all these people are cosplaying as Indian. So I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean? You're a black woman inside a white woman's body pretending to be brown? Is that what this is? And when Guru Jagat starts getting questioned about her own behavior, she deflects. She paints the people who complain about her as spoiled, sensitive snowflakes. She tells Vanity Fair journalist Haley Phelan, quote, I'm a controversial figure. This goes with the territory. I'm not like love and light Susie. I'm very direct and I talk about shit people don't want to talk about. Okay, love and light Susie. Guess that's a thing. But the more Guru Jagat is criticized, the more she digs her heels in. She refuses to acknowledge any wrongdoing. And if you disagree with her, you're a sucker. But Guru Jagat's arrogance is about to become her fatal flaw. 
because what happens next will result in a shocking, irreversible twist of fate that no one sees coming. All right, so let's fast forward a year to July 9th, 2021. Guri Jagat is in Berlin teaching a weekend workshop called Inner Resourcing. It's surprising that she would be led into Germany without being vaccinated, but I don't know, maybe she's one of those people who publicly preaches against the vaccine and then secretly gets it. Regardless, after a weekend of talks about how COVID is fake and Western medicine is toxic, Guru Jagat is ready to relax. But her plans are derailed a few days later on July 13th. It's really hot in Berlin, and Guru Jagat is on her fifth shower of the day when she accidentally slips coming out of the bathroom. She falls down, and bam, she breaks her ankle. She's whisked away to the ER. Even though it's just an ankle fracture, Guru Jagat is really freaked out. So she decides to call her mom. She and her mom, Nancy, have been experiencing some tension lately. Nancy worries about Jagat's increasingly conspiratorial views. But when shit hits the fan, everybody needs their mom. So Jagat calls Nancy and tells her that she's really scared. And Nancy advises her to rest. But unfortunately, slowing down is not in Jugget's wheelhouse. She posts to Instagram about her broken ankle on July 17th. Sarah, can you read us a snippet from the post? Okay. I am both impressed by facing a deep fear alone in an operating room with openness and also so quickly back to fretting about what is next. So even though doctors advise her to stay in Berlin until she's healed, Jugget decides to fly back to Los Angeles. And that's when she realizes her ankle isn't healing well and she's going to need surgery. And Jagat is super annoyed. She's supposed to teach a workshop called Camp Ra, and she wants to be better. She just wants to be done with all of this. So she gets the ankle surgery, but afterwards, as she's recovering, she has a pulmonary embolism. It's when one of the arteries in the lungs becomes blocked, usually because of a blood clot that moves up from the legs. So it's not common for that to happen after a routine ankle surgery at all. It's a total freak thing. But it's very possible that Jugget's decision to fly back to L.A. before her ankle healed was the reason this happened. And in any case, the pulmonary embolism causes her to go into cardiac arrest. And in short, Guru Jugget has a heart attack. And at 41, she dies. What? She dies? Yeah. She's dead. She's dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it. I truly, truly did not see this happening. I thought she was going to end up in jail. And the circumstances of her death are so weird that some people question if Jugget is really dead at all. Here's this woman who seemed so strong and vital, yet she gets taken down by a broken ankle. It's unfathomable. But Vanity Fair got a hold of Jugget's death certificate, and her cause of death is verified. She died of cardiac arrest caused by the surgery-related embolism. The Kundalini world, Guru Jugget's husband, and her family are all devastated. It's a bizarre ending to a truly wild ride. And it also leaves a lot of unanswered questions about the future of the Rama Institute. Her devoted followers are left wondering, where do we go from here? Just shy of a month after her death, on August 9th, 2021, 500 friends, family members, and fans 
gather at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery for Guru Jagat's funeral. Okay, I am still reeling at the fact that she's dead. Oh my God. Also, that cemetery is really expensive. It's all celebrities. And considering she always wanted to be famous, it's kind of fitting that she's buried alongside celebrities like Cecil B. DeMille and Rudolph Valentino. And the stage is decorated with a spray of white flowers, a six-foot-tall geode rock, and a large black-and-white photo of a smiling Katie Griggs. Multiple microphones are set up on the stage for speeches, musical performances, and prayers. It's less like a funeral and more like a concert. There's a 36-minute meditation. And then White Sun, which is Hari Jeevan's band, does a performance of Amazing Grace with a gong. And then a parade of friends and loved ones give eulogies. Griggs's brother gives a speech. He got into Kundalini because of his big sister. To me, she was a sister. She was a teacher, a friend, support system, good personal reference, landlord, neighbor, um, adversary. In moments, we were enemies. And meanwhile, Hari Jeevan, a.k.a. the Toner Bandit, looks like a Harry Potter villain with this huge white beard and linen robes. And here's how he remembered Guru Jagat. He was the perfect person. And she was a punk rocker. She was a rebel. She was a, a blazingly uh, articulate and funny. And she did absolutely perfect job. Oh my god, this is like peak someone dying and being remembered for something they're not. Yeah, I mean, people change perceptions in their grief. Uh, this is a this is a total rewrite of her history. But these are also people who were always defending her anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as day turns to night, Jugget's widower, Teg Nam, takes the stage. Wearing a black suit and his signature frizzy beard, he gives a really intense speech. To my precious jewel... Guru Jagat, I was born looking for you and spent our life together looking into you. I found you in this life and I shall find you in the next. Okay, I would be lying if I said that wasn't a little bit sweet. It's kind of sweet, isn't it? It is. I mean, hey, crazy people can be in love too. Death is a great equalizer. After the eulogies, they play an edited home movie type of thing, and then the funeral ends. The Rama world is now completely adrift. Not only is it a funeral for Guru Jagat, but it's like a funeral for the entire Kundalini community as well. Two of the most important teachers, Bhajan and now Jagat, are dead, leaving a trail of bad press behind them. There's no charismatic leader just a bunch of lost practitioners with no idea how to move forward. Not long after Guru Jagat died, Rama began promoting tickets to Camp Grace, a women's camp devoted to deterritorializing the patriarchy. It was led by, just you wait, Hari Jeevan. The freaking nerve of these people. The toner bandits back, baby. Oh, my God. This is truly an exhausting group of people. And I need to know, like, what's up with Rama wrong? Is it still happening? Has it turned into like a, a whistleblowing account for the industry at large? So these days, it mostly exists to circulate news its followers will be interested in, like about a documentary on Guru Jagat that HBO ordered. And it tries to tackle the open questions about Kundalini, 
Here's how Rama Wrong founder Becky Lovell summed it up on the podcast Scientology Fair Game. The larger conversation is, should this larger corporation that controls all of the for-profit and non-profit businesses that are linked to Yogi Bhajan, should they be shut down or should they be held accountable? Who should be held accountable? Who who is actually responsible? And these ex-students have found that through sharing their experiences, they're able to heal and move forward, finally. Like Pamela Dyson, whose memoir was the beginning of the end for Budgeon's legacy. The bio on her Instagram page reads, Speaking my truth, coming from an era when women's voices were muted. Coming out whole after my life with Yogi Budgeon. And as the survivors of Budgeon and Jugget's abuse heal, it leaves everyone wondering, what is the future of the Rama Institute? And currently, the Institute is still up and running, and you can take classes there which I actually did. I took a Kundalini class at one of the Rama studios in Manhattan a few weeks ago. Oh my God. I, at one point, almost had to leave because I started laughing because there was one position they wanted us to do where you sit cross-legged and you have to have your hands out like you're trying to stop a car from running you over. And then you just do peace signs for like 20 minutes, like straight up 20 minutes. That's crazy. Yeah. And, like, while this is happening, like, music is blaring and you're supposed to breathe really fast, frankly. (laughs) Like that? Oh, and I will say the studio is also kind of like a shrine to Jugget. Like, there are photos of her there sort of in these frames with flowers around them. Like, it's very clear that they are still following whatever she taught them. And, you know, my instructor was talking about her, not about her death, but certainly about what she, like, learned from her. Wow. All right, Sarah, I hope you enjoyed living in hell with me for this two-part series. I do want to take a little bit of time to talk about this scam, why it was so effective, and the damage our friend Katie Griggs left in her wake. I think the part of the scam that really spoke to people, especially like wealthy people, was this idea of letting go of guilt. She offered people a way to absolve themselves of things that they are a part of but guilty of. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like you can be this kind of person and be spiritual. It's kind of the same way like you hear people go, you can believe in blank and still be a feminist. And you're like, well, if you have to make that declaration. Not necessarily. Not really. And if you have to say it, then it probably isn't true. Right. I mean, the other thing is even the people who worked within Rama were also getting ripped off, right? Like they were underpaid. They didn't get health insurance. They were told to work unreasonable hours. You know, Guru Jagat was like stealing money from her satellite yoga studios to pay for her lifestyle while like everybody's getting stiffed. And you know what? No amount of gentle stretching is worth being treated like that, frankly. I mean, it is just crazy how she came from nothing and was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And she did it. She she, she got it. to where she wanted. And honestly, if she hadn't died, she probably would have been still super freaking famous. Yeah, without question. We would be having a very different conversation about her right now. The scam probably would have just gotten bigger. I think one of the scariest parts of Guru Jagat is that she clearly had a lot of influence amongst really influential people, like not just celebrities, but she's being invited to Harvard to talk about Sikhism. It wasn't just that celebrities were turning towards her and like we saw photos of them appearing at whatever, whatever, but legitimate websites and blogs and magazines were like, who's Guru Jagat? And it's like really crazy because her legitimacy hardly ever came up. Yeah. And honestly, her story had so many inconsistencies and it was really 
disheartening to see a lot of media outlets not really investigate that. Like the fact that she had changed her name publicly to Guru Jagat, that on its own is so manipulative and weird. And it clearly tricked a lot of people into thinking she was the real deal. So, so much of the influence is rooted in her just making shit up. Wow. Real talk, never trust a white woman in a turban and don't worship a living being. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. A good lesson for us all. This is episode two of our two-part series, The Yoga Hustler. I'm Sachi Cole. And I'm Sarah Hagee. We use many sources in our research. A few that were particularly helpful were Haley Phelan's article for Vanity Fair, Haven Orecchio Agretzit's article for Insider, Cassidy George's article for Vice, Steffi Nelson's article for Los Angeles Magazine, and Marissa Meltzer's article for Harper's Bazaar. Rose Cerno wrote this episode. Additional writing by us, Sachi Cole, and Sarah Hagee. Our senior producer is Jen Swan. Charlotte Miller and Tate Busby are our associate producers. Our story editor is Sarah Enney. Our senior story editor is Rachel B. Doyle. Sound design is by Jay Rothman. Additional audio assistance provided by Adrian Tapia. Our music supervisor is Scott Velasquez for Freeze on Sync. Our executive producers are Janine Cornelow, Stephanie Jens, and Marshall Louie for Wondery. Wondery. 